The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. This week we learned that unemployment in the Irish economy has fallen to a 21 year low to 4.2% because increased economic activity in the wake of COVID has brought more people back to work. But what does this actually mean for employers and employees alike going forward? And are we seeing the benefit of these upward trends in reality? Damien McCarthy, the CEO of the HR consultancy firm HR Buddy and outreach worker Maya join me now. You're both very welcome. Morning, Stephanie. You there, Maya? Morning, Morning, there you are. Uh, Damien, what do you make of these latest unemployment figures? Yeah, well, I think it's um, very satisfying, uh, Stephanie, obviously. Um, the ESRI had predicted that by 2023 we would see uh, 4% unemployment. And I suppose to have reached almost 4% in 2022, uh, so soon coming out of pandemic restrictions and so on, um, you know, you could be extremely optimistic about it. But I've heard the uh, phrase, I suppose, cautious optimism yeah, mentioned okay. a number of times this week because we have a number of extremities happening, obviously, with the war in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis. Um, so across different industries, there are different things happening. Uh, for example, if you take something like travel at the moment, they can't recruit people fast enough. Um, I suppose, you know, areas like construction are now seeing a decline. Uh, very little recruitment going on there, obviously, because inf- inflation is hugely impacting the construction sector, mm-hmm. whereas uh, professional services such as accountancy, IT uh, and so on, software engineers and all that type of professional service, highly skilled uh, professions are continuing uh, to grow and see very strong growth. So there's a lot of different things happening across the industries. Um, I suppose a lot of factors that would make an awful lot of businesses and employers uh, very, very cautious and uh, a certain amount of worry, I suppose, about the winter period as well, uh, especially for seasonal employments and so on also. So things are good, but we're not sure that they're going to stay good. Just coming back to your point there on the, the kind of brain gain, the high highly trained workers, highly skilled workers that are coming in. In your opinion, how far are most employers willing to go to hire people that have visa requirements to bring people into work? Well, first of all, um, again, it's very, very satisfying satisfying that we're ranking very highly with regards to, you know, we're one of only five countries that can say we have a brain gain situation uh, going on. So we're an attractive country at the moment, very much so uh, perhaps because we've adapted to remote working and flexible working quite well in comparison to, to some other countries. Um, I think a lot of employers, because of the war war on talent, um, are very attracted to bringing workers in from abroad because obviously when we're at nearly 4% uh, unemployment, there is a huge uh, shortage of talent and there's also you know increased wage demands and so on so employers have to be really really flexible and I think they are looking for talent uh, from abroad but to bring in that talent from abroad and indeed uh, I suppose to keep that talent that's already here um, it's very much about diversity and inclusion and especially when you're attracting workers uh, from abroad abroad that is very very important you mentioned the work permit scheme that has been a huge problem because actually an awful lot of employers were were looking to go through uh, the work permit application process um, and when they did it's extremely long-winded it's taking a number of months to uh, get the decision made and it's been rejected because I suppose skills that actually are critical skills now uh, in the current employment market aren't considered critical skills now we are going to see changes in legislation on Sorry, is that just to say the that year. there is there's currently a list of what the government deems critical skills Criticals, yes but exactly the critical skills that we need have actually changed faster than that legislation absolutely it take one example chefs in the hospitality industry. I mean, some restaurants have had to close uh, a number of days per week during high season during the summer. 
because they can't okay. staff their premises. And chefs are not a critical skill be, uh, on our list at the Wouldn't moment. Wouldn't be on the current uh, on the current one, no. So, but we are going to see uh, a more flexible work permit system being introduced in the autumn, uh, I, which I think is very welcome. But this is this was called for for a long time, and yeah. you could foresee this problem. By, you know, uh, I suppose pre-pandemic actually. Um, you know, in in uh, hospitality, they were looking to go abroad. Um, you know, we got that back there very, very quickly post pandemic, if we can call it post pandemic. Um, but it, you know, it's a problem that was there, and I suppose wasn't sorted out in time. Maya, I might bring you in here. What are your thoughts on the efforts that are being made by employers to welcome potential staff with who are on work permits? Is is enough being done to facilitate them? Facilitate them? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance to this um, topic and I'm glad um, the Mr. on here mentioned all the great ways and the way the Irish government makes it easier to bring people from overseas and so on and so forth with the work permit but the nuance lies in the theory and the practice. Um, theoretically speaking there are a lot of policies and processes put in place to facilitate that but practically speaking, you'd be shocked to know that a lot of HR um, departments don't know the difference between stamp one and stamp three and stamp two G. And so there's still a huge lack of understanding around this topic. And therefore, um, it ends up being a situation where a company, especially the bigger the company, the more, um, the easier it is for them to bring people from overseas. And they've had that process done so many times and they know how to do it. They they're okay with it, but if it's someone who's here, who's come to Ireland for school and are now transitioning into working, they're very hesitant into doing that because there's a myth around the stamps and the visas. And I, I, I'm not an HR professional, but I don't recall the process of getting someone a work permit being that long. In fact, um, based on the conversations I've had with people who've done it, it's pretty straightforward and it's a four-week um, process and you just have to put out an ad and make sure that you've made the vacancy available to other people in Ireland who could take that position instead of just straight away giving it to someone to a talent that you're interested in and the fee for the work permit is only 1,000 euros for the year you can pay or your employer can pay it and sometimes you, the employer doesn't even have to do that you could do that whole process by yourself and so there's definitely a lot of growth, a lot of improvement. Ireland has a lot, a lot to put in place to welcome um, foreigners and um, external talent and so on and so forth. But practically speaking, um, the practices have not met the actual processes put in place, the, theory, the theoretical part of it. I hope that makes sense. So as an outreach there's worker, are you, are you finding that the people that you've worked with in the outreach that they're finding it difficult to sort of, you know, to, to be honest about their situation, to articulate their situation around visas because it might stand as a barrier to them to gain this employment? Oh, they have to be honest. There's no other way around it because when you present your uh, JNIB residency card or your visa, it clearly states what you have, so there's really no, not many ways to be dishonest about it. But what happens is that a lot of recruiters just shut them down after. And it becomes very strenuous. You might go through an interview process of four to five steps, and it's the last step where they tell you that, well, unfortunately, we don't sponsor. Mm -hmm. And what happens in return is that 
a lot of people also, a lot of migrants, a lot of non-Irish citizens don't have the accurate information around it. And it's a very huge stress point because you don't have stability. You know, it's very hard when you're not sure where you'll be in a year or in six months if your visa is ending in six, in six months. And so in interviews, as you look for employment, you're highly stressed and you're just really trying to get a job. So if someone tells you, oh, I can't sponsor you, and you're not even able, like you said, to articulate, a lot of people are not able to articulate this and uh, illustrate that you don't have to go through the process of applying for my work permit. I can do it. It's only going to cost 1,000 euros. All you have to do is put up a vacancy post in a number of places. The citizens, citizens information website is great for this. Uh, but yes, the point being that um, they just get extremely frustrated, flustered, and they just which is obviously not the, which is not the the best you know the best headspace to be in, I guess, when you're when you're doing an interview. Damien, I might bring you back in there. Mm. Is this something that you are seeing as well in 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 HR body, or is it? Um, well, first of all, just to go back on the point with regards to how long the process can take uh, with the work permit system, um, the point I was making is very uh, particular to this year. So, for example, right, okay. I would have worked on a uh, work permit for a construction company that would have been working on you know, large housing uh, projects, social housing projects, who couldn't get staff and went, went through the work permit system, put an application in in January and, and were re- rejected. And that rejection didn't come until May. You know, so that's five months of waiting time for a construction firm um, that is during a housing apart. crisis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, during a housing crisis. So that's just to give an example. But that's very much, you know, that was the current situation because of the labour shortage that we were experiencing uh, at the time. What um, are the other barriers to, to hiring? Yeah, well, I think uh, you have to look at, I suppose, uh, companies who are hiring uh, their interviewing processes and recruitment processes. So uh, inside in this country, you know, Happily, we have two and a half million people that work in this country, but 1.5 million of them are working in small and medium sized businesses. Mm-hmm. OK, so I suppose that HR and recruitment expertise is needed with regards to diversity and inclusion inside the recruitment process. And like it's interesting when you look at some research, for example, public jobs done uh, some research a few years ago. And I thought it was very interesting that when employers were asked what were the barriers to good performance at interview stage for immigrant candidates, 89 percent responded and cited that inadequate proficiency in English was the barrier. Well, nine out of ten. Like. Yeah, nine out of ten employers, you know, which is incredible. And still, uh, to this day, you would see on many job descriptions, you know, a proficiency in English uh, being, a, a, you know, a critical skill. Um, no, that, that is, you know, we're a nation that claims to be very diverse. And really, if we're still including things like that in job descriptions, you'd question, you would have to question that. And I think there's perhaps for, at a government level, more initiatives and supports needed for employers and both the immigrant workers with regards to training and upskilling and education with but regards to how we can do this better. What about people who would say that proficiency in English in an English speaking country is actually a critical skill and it's going to make like if we hire someone who doesn't have proficient English their job is actually going to be much harder and their like connection with their colleagues is going to be harder and the the job is not going to be done as well and uh, you you can accept that but I suppose we shouldn't be ruling out good candidates because English isn't their first language and I think that is something that perhaps uh, is happening and is unwise perhaps for jobs where they're not going to be client facing or something exactly yeah exactly yeah, sorry, Maya. Okay. Yeah, I think there is a slight difference between uh, the way people speak and being 
um, having good a good level of English. You know, okay. a lot of people who come here, generally speaking, as far as I know, I could be wrong. You need to do an English test. You can do TOEFL. Some require Duolingo or the IELTS. In order to get to Ireland, generally speaking, you have to do a certain uh, English test to show that you are capable of speaking English and writing English. And so there is, generally speaking, people are okay in English, but it, it comes across as maybe not proficient in English because of the way they speak, because of their accents mm-hmm. and the terminologies and vocabulary. So I think that also com- sometimes becomes um, a barrier, but that can easily be um, assessed through tests and other things like that. Yeah, and because, I do think that, like, coming back to Damien's point, that, like, if, if diversity and inclusion is a priority for you, then, like, if someone has proficient English but their terminology isn't as colloquial, then that is a huge barrier. I could speak to both of you all day about this. I'm sorry we have run out of time on that. But Damien McCarthy, CEO of the HR consultancy firm HR Buddy and outreach worker Maya, thank you both for, for that. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.